You're listening to the Coach Ella podcast with your host, Phil Trill. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. This week, I was delighted to be joined by Sarah Rowe. Sarah, originally from County Mayo, has travelled the world playing elite sport. She has experience playing soccer for Ireland. She also has experience in Australian rules football, playing for Collingwood in Australia. Sarah, most recently, has embarked on the area of life coaching and mindset coaching. In this discussion, uh, we found some thought-provoking insight around her mindset, what it means to be an elite athlete for her, and also we looked at how she can help others become elite in their mindset. I hope you enjoy. You're listening to the Coach Ella podcast with your host, Phil Trill. First of all, how are you? Good, thanks for having me on this podcast. Um, I was really looking forward to it during the week. Um, so delighted to be involved and just have a chat. But I'm good, yeah, everything's good, life's good. Um, things are kind of resuming to normal at the moment. So like you're much busier than we have been over the last few weeks. So it's, it's good to kind of be getting back to the norm. And what, and what is for you, you know, what is normal? You seem to be one of these athletes, one of these people that constantly look for something new, a new challenge, you know, in, in terms of your sporting career that we look back on, in terms of um, you constantly seem to have something new. So what is normal, I suppose? What is normal for you? Um, well, for me, it's probably like I get up in the morning and I train first thing in the morning. I just like to get it over with. Um, but depending on if I have a double session or if I have just a single session, I'll get up and do, say, an hour, have, like have food or whatever, and then do another session later on in the day. But sometimes only single sessions, so I just get up, get that done. Um, and then I am, I've recently started doing NLP and life coaching, mindset, all that them kind of things, just kind of covering a broad, it's very broad, like it's, it's more so just kind of, you know, me working with another person in order to get them to kind of see where they want to go next and working kind of as a team from like a non-judgmental point of view and just kind of having good conversations and getting people to, I suppose, figure out what's going on inside their head and where they really want to go and um, are their values aligned with where they're actually going in life. And I think sometimes you sail through life and you're kind of, um, you know, you pick up a lot of things from the environment that's around you, but sometimes we actually don't know like inside us what's actually going on and what we really want. So it's, it's important to talk it out and kind of figure out your direction and where you want to go. So about four years ago, I went to a life coach myself and I just can't explain how much she helped me with my mindset and, you know, the way I look at things. And I can feel feel like I can really rationalize things in my head and I can see things from an objective view. Um, so then I decided to go into it myself and I decided that I wanted to try help others. And that's what I'm doing at the moment. So I'm doing that and I'm setting up a website at the moment for that as well. But I've been taking on clients over the last two weeks. Um, but setting up the website now is taking up a good bit of time as well so yeah so that's basically what I'm at and other than that just spending quality time with my family and friends which has been lovely as well yeah brilliant plenty of time I say uh previewing pages on websites and then having them crash trial and error really isn't it I suppose 
yeah I have one of my sister's friends as well helping me so she's real techie and I like I'm terrible at that stuff like so um, I'm just kind of figuring out you know the content and the messages that I want to get across to people and kind of all that st- side of things but she's doing all the techie stuff thank god because god knows how it would be like a coloring book if I tried to do it myself yeah I, I um it's trial and error here as well, but we're, we're here, we're live on social media, so we've got this far. So um, I think uh, one of, again, one of the the slightly times of, of having more time, uh, I suppose, to ourselves, I think we've possibly learned new skills. And as you said, you know, you're, you're adapting and looking to move forward in terms of life coaching. Just with, um, with the life coaching, you mentioned values. Um, your values would you would you like to share i suppose what you deem as your core values or i suppose these constantly change but what you've defined them as now maybe i suppose there's yeah there's a few ways of looking at this like i the way i explain it um when i'm talking to people is like your values can be like just automatically inherited from your parents and we learn an awful lot um, about our values from the ages of zero to seven and so often we don't really know why we are the way we are but it's important to kind of I suppose as like with life coaching you reflect on the past and you understand why we are the way we are and then you stay in the present and obviously that's the only thing you can control and look towards the future so um, when it comes to values like I'll give you an example of um, my lecturer when I was studying this she had a value that she couldn't earn money because her parents her whole life said that money is really really hard earned and she had this value and she brought it with her her whole way through her her life and then she decided to do life coaching and in life coaching you're encouraged to show like figure out what your values are and make sure that they're true to yourself and kind of tune into that internal dialogue and she figured out, she said, well, money's really hard earned, but it was holding her back in her life because because she believes that money was hard earned, she couldn't earn money. So she started off her life uh, coaching career and she got rid of that value because she said, it's actually not serving me and it's not my own value, it's my parents. So she got rid of that and then she was lecturing um, us at the time and she was a multi-millionaire. So it just took, like, it's, it's crazy and I know that's a really dramatic um, kind of, uh, picture I've just painted there but that just shows the power of how much your values can hold you back and um, understanding that um, so for me like there's there's loads of values that but like you know I like to I suppose be true to myself all the time and I do like I ask myself the question a lot when I'm speaking to people like before I respond I kind of say okay what do I really think here and I make sure that I'm not influenced by anyone else and stay true to myself always so like just I suppose being honest being straight up and um, you know work hard pride myself of working hard and yeah I, I constantly kind of realign my values but at the moment like my biggest ones are probably being completely honest and I I like to paint a true picture of I suppose my life so that and um, working really hard but there's there's lots more to it obviously and you break it down and you figure it out and then you move forward basically the hard the hard work and the work ethic um seems to be something that's uh, definitely prominent throughout through, throughout your career so far um in terms of you, you've managed to arrive at the elite level of any sport you've, you've you've taken into how and you know in terms of growing up did you continue with all these sports or was it a case of 
you got to one level really well and then went, okay, maybe I might change track and go somewhere else. You know, we look at, obviously the, the Jordan documentary is, is one thing that's kind of in vogue now. And he decided when he got to the elite level of baseball that I need a new, or the elite level of basketball, I need a new challenge in baseball, for example. Did you continue to play all sports or was it a, a decision to say, right, well, I've achieved what I want to achieve here. I'm going to go elsewhere. Yeah, it was like, I suppose with soccer, I was trying to do soccer and Gaelic at the same time. And I was just putting on my boots every day of the week and it like became mentally draining for me. So I felt like I was becoming like, I suppose, a jack of all trades, master of none. So I was like, I'll focus on, you know, I gave a year, my leading site year, where I just gave it all to soccer. And then we got to the European finals that year and then went to give everything to Gaelic after that for a year. And I suppose, yeah, when the opportunity of AFL came up, I was like, yeah, I really want to learn about a professional environment. I want to see what that looks like. Like, that can only benefit me mindset-wise, physically and mentally. So I was like, I'll go over and, like, you don't regret the things that you try, at least if they don't work out the worst thing that can happen is you fail. So I'd be all for going for things. And if they don't work out, it's fine. I don't see it as failure. I see it as learning. So um, that was the biggest thing for me, I suppose, with any sport. You just kind of, if you get a, a good opportunity and you think something might come of it, like just, just go for it. Like there's, you know, there's nothing really to hold you back. The only thing that can hold you back is you. So um, I suppose with the AFL, like that was a big challenge for me because I was going into an environment that I was, completely unfamiliar with um, I had to learn a new sport I had to challenge myself in probably ways I never had before and I had to start from the ground up and I also had to come into a team environment where I was the player who messed up all the drills who didn't know what they were doing and you know that challenged me a lot of times as well because you know you, you questioned yourself a lot as to how am I going to compete here with these players who've been playing for years and you know the thing that I always find is that it will separate anyone from like I suppose doing something and doing it well is just working really hard continuously every day on small little habits it's not about the big the bigger picture you obviously have a like a long-term goal and you you look at that from again an objective view without pressure of achieving that goal you need to break it down into really small ones so for me I just my daily habits were just ticking boxes all the time and that kind of essentially then all adds up um, to you being in a good place so over time things things improve but um, like it doesn't just it's, it's not just as easy as or just it just happens you know there's a lot of sitting down writing it figuring out your head and figuring out what how do I train my body to be at the level it needs to be at and yeah that's really it so, so with you you said you know you have kind of the objective goal and, and end target in sight how did you deal did you have specific ways let's say if you did have a poor day a poor training session or a poor performance did you have specific ways or do you have specific ways in which you would reflect on it maybe differently than if you were successful or are they both aligned um yeah I definitely would I'd self-reflect an awful lot on things and if things didn't go well for me I would like you know like I'm you're only human at the end of the day like if you have a bad game you can often lose sleep over it and there's no point lying about that but you know the next day is a new day and you kind of have to get up and like there's there's up there's no room really for feeling sorry for yourself and for me when I have a poor game I ask as much questions as possible 
to my coach or to a player who I say really respect and value their opinion, I'd ask as many questions and get their feedback. Because again, with, with a bad experience comes a learning opportunity. So for me, I was, I was like, you know, that kind of paranoia, if you don't play well, you're kind of like, oh, everyone's talking about me now. And they all think that I played really badly. And then you get really inside your own head and then you bring it into the next session and so on and so forth, the rippling effect of bad performances. So for me, it's that I ask all the questions, but that helps me get rid of the paranoia. Often you didn't do as bad as you thought. And it's kind of, you, you learn something, you come out of it being like, okay, I'm after, you know, getting all the honest, the hard facts and the truths of how I performed. Now, how do I work on it going forward? What do I want to learn? And what, what can I do this week to fix it? And normally, again, like I said, it's breaking the small things down. But the biggest thing for me is getting the feedback and knowing exactly where I went wrong instead of making up all the scenarios in my head where I think I went wrong and not actually having the fact of it. Like it's often when, you know, when you don't know a situation, you um, you, you kind of, you struggle mentally. But when you have facts of any situation, be it, a breakup be it anything like do you know what I mean once you know you know you can just move on but um so that's the biggest thing for me and then in terms of a good performance I think this is where for me I you know my coach would say oh you played really well today and I'd be like thinking in my head oh that's the rock that I'll perish on now so I'd say don't bother telling me that sometimes even though you like hearing the feedback and it's really important to get positive feedback obviously for confidence going forward and stuff but that's the time when you kind of need to be aware to not relax and to not say oh I'm doing things well because that's when you slip back into bad habits and um, so yeah for me it's all about um constantly self-reflecting and figuring out really where I'm at with the the danger with the positive feedback I suppose um again I, you're you're obviously a mindset coach but it reminded me of the the power of yet in terms of um Carol Dweck's growth mindset and the power of yet. So if you do give that someone, you were brilliant today. You were absolutely brilliant. And we see it in sports. You know, it's such a hard thing to, once you reach even that mountain of, right, well, I've achieved all my goals or I've achieved my success, that motivational factor to continue going and say, right, well, I've done that. I've done that well. The yet now is, okay, I need to do something else. Do Do you understand what I'm saying in terms of, reaching that so if someone does praise you you're kind of going right well what else can I do what how how can I develop myself further yeah I think when someone does say like like that like we you know while you play well there's always something that you can improve on and it's to always ask that question but like you have to you have to give yourself credit as well like I said and like every player needs that confidence and most people if you give them encouragement, they'll continue to play well because their confidence is high. But it's just when it's when that kind of gets, you know, you get too much praise and you start to relax. But um, for me, yeah, it's just it's all about just constantly asking new questions. And, um, you know, I suppose a really good coach will say to you, you played really well, but come here, I just need to tweak you on something here. And then you'll say, yeah, OK, while I did well, he still sees my flaws and I still need to be better for him and for my team and um because there's always things you can improve on yeah just when you're, you're mentioning your, your team and you know your team environment again you've you've been in many dressing rooms um at elite levels of different sports have you seen any similarities or differences in terms of 
the way, not, not obviously as much the way sessions are structured, but the way uh, coaches might demand things of you or the culture of the team that may not be necessarily results-driven, maybe growth-driven or maybe vice versa. Have you seen any anything or any changes? Yeah, I think... Um... Yeah, you see a huge change in that culture is absolutely like pivotal in any successful team environment. And you can see it straight away when you're in one team environment and then you go into the next. You can see like in Collingwood, it's always that we focus on the process. Like we never focus on and like we break it down as simple as like, you know, if you train well today, tomorrow and the next day and the next day and then you get to Saturday and it's game day. Like we don't even, you know, you don't even think about Saturday until Friday. You know, you, you're constantly given small snippets of information throughout the week and you're prepping for that. But it's like, if you train well, you have the confidence to play well. So it's very important that you break it down to really, really small goals that you can achieve. And then you feel that kind of self-satisfaction coming away from training. And as a group, you're like, we're in a good place. We're steady, we're strong, and we're ready to take on any team. But it's it's about not getting ahead of yourself or thinking too far ahead, I think is definitely crucial in a team. But also about the team environment and making sure that it's player driven versus coach driven and that, you know, if if a player isn't pulling their weight or someone's not working hard or someone's making excuses that players can have one on one conversations with each other and kind of pull each other up and say, Look, that's not great. But it takes time as well to build that respect around the group. Um and you know it's not it's not easy to build that, but if you have a few good leaders around the place, you can um, drive them standards, and then the coach's job is much easier. Yeah, I think I think that's definitely a trend in, uh, or that we're definitely seeing kind of filter down even to the, to the lower levels of sport that things should be player driven, because again, uh, they're the decision makers on the pitch. With um. With your, you know, you have your overarching goal, again, similar to mindset and similar to your culture in your team, your overarching goal is success on a Saturday and success might be individual in terms of playing well or might be in terms of a team. But the daily, the daily influence of culture, how did you find, again, adapting to culture? Let's say, again, you're adapting to a culture when you go over to play a AFL you're adapting to a culture, number one, in a country, um, and you're also adapting to a culture of a specific environment. How did you find those kind of, I suppose, first few months? You, you mentioned, again, you had to learn a brand new sport. Um, how, how are they for you in terms of, I suppose, testing your belief and, and your mindset? Yeah, massive. Like, when I went over at the start, like, I just didn't really get their culture. Like, as in, I found myself, like, sitting around looking being like god I don't find this humor funny at all and they definitely don't find anything I'm saying funny so I kind of like second guess myself even on my conversation topics as to what I'd be saying to people I'd be like I've completely lost my sense of humor or else like it was just weird like I really had to get to know them as a culture and as people in general as well and then over time, like obviously they got to know me, I got to know them, we were more comfortable, none of us were on edge and you get to really enjoy their culture and what they're about and what they stand for. But um, I think, yeah, the players around you really challenge it because, you know, some of them players are like so elite, like 
Sharni Layton is um she was a netballer on our team and she um was one of the best netballers in Australia and she came across and cross coded at the same year that I did. So the two of us could like relate on so many things, but like her you know, her high performance habits were um the best that you could see really. And then we had another girl um who played hockey for Australia and was in the Olympics and all that. So you've all these like great athletes around the place as well that you're picking their brains and they're picking your brains. And we're all kind of trying to be better and we're trying to learn from each other because there's so much to be learned from other athletes. And I really feel that in general, like just put yourself out and, and learn from other sports and, and other people or really good coaches or whatever. Like there's, there's so many things like go to an expert in their field and try learn something from them. Even in this downtime now, I think it's important to constantly be, you know, picking other people's brains basically. Yeah, I, I'm just going to pick your brain there in terms of high performance habits. That kind of rolled off the tongue there. Uh, it, it was it was fluid. You were able to say, it. what does that mean for you? What what are your high performance habits? High performance habits for me are like there's not really a switch off point, unfortunately, for um someone training. You you know every decision you make essentially has to be with team in mind and high performance in mind because you know like obviously you have to enjoy yourself and take breaks as well accordingly and it's important that you do do all them kind of things so taking that out of mind like high performance habits for me are you know making sure there's very simple habits they're like making sure you drink enough water making sure you eat really well and fuel your body and eat enough because I think sometimes people don't probably eat enough for what they're trying to do and that's a huge part of the game and it's that you obviously do the training that's asked of you it becomes like and all these habits become automatic habits so you don't even know that you're doing them anymore they're just ingrained in you so make sure the training is done well again making sure that you're self-reflecting all the time and you're really looking at where you are mentally and so not just mentally physically and also I suppose the people you surround yourself in and, and being aware of that and tuning into the fact that people around you have a really big influence on you and making sure that all the people around you are good and positive influences in your life so that you can continue to keep taking steps forward um, versus people who are maybe holding you back. So it's, it's so many things you're, you have to, like, I feel I'm constantly analysing every aspect of my life. It's not just sport, it's all the things and the distractions around that as well that you need to keep a close eye on too. And with that and with the, the high performance being with you almost, 24 7 how do you relax i relax um well like i i would do a good bit of um kind of like i said when i journal and stuff like um, i do yoga and that again would switch off my mind completely i would go for a swim in the sea i'd go for just a leisurely walk listen to a podcast or something and i also spend time with family and friends cooking like all them little things like they're all like enjoyable to me and they're really like they switch me off and when I'm like like I said it's important to have good people around you it's important to have people around you who have nothing who don't even care about sport or like care about high performance habits because they bring you down to you know they just make you think of something funny and like you have a bit of crack and you have good conversation with them people and it just completely switches you off so um for me that's really how I relax Brilliant. Um, just in terms of 
NLP, um, the three magic letters that I suppose every coach should be looking at. Can you, can you just, I suppose, give us a view of how you came across NLP um, and what it is and what it pertails now in terms of your performance and how you might use it as a coach? Um, so when I decided to do the life coaching and um, when I rang the college, they were like, have you heard NLP? And I was like, no, I'll do some research on it and I'll get back to you. And to see if I want to do that as well on top of the life coach. I did hypnosis as well. Um, just something I was intrigued about too. I just wanted to hear. Even if I could get anything out of it. And that's really helpful. Like habit change and things like that. Um, but NLP for me, I when I did the research, I was like, I was really interested in it. And I was like, it's it's all about, I suppose, the subconscious mind. And um, I spoke to my coach in Collingwood and I told him I was doing all this. And he was like, oh, I've actually done that myself. And I, I said to myself, when I met him first, I was like, his communication is better than any coach I'd ever had. And I was like, what is it that's different? And then he said, then when I told him I was doing NLP and I understand that it is the power of communication and how you communicate with others. And, you know, in order for any team environment, work, life, whatever it is to get the best out of themselves, communication is the key factor relationships friends whatever it is if you don't have good communication with just one one second there i think you just got over the microphone possibly oh sorry can you hear me yeah 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 i'm good what was the last thing you heard uh one key factor you mentioned communication in terms of work environments yeah, so I was just saying that when it comes to anything in life, if you want to, I suppose, do well in a group environment, you need to communicate well and you need people around you all kind of ticking the same way. And that's where I find NLP comes in really good. And like I said, my coach in Collingwood had done that and the way he communicate, communicated with his players throughout the season was just unbelievable. He was always really approachable. He's always really really easy to talk to but um when it comes to I suppose the subconscious mind part of it I find that extremely interesting um, and the way I like to think about it is it's it's like when you're going for a run and I suppose to break it down to simple English like when you're going for a run and like your head tells you you can't do it and then your body's kind of like your one part of your mind is like yeah I can the other part's like no I can't I'm, I'm dead to the world now and that's it me I'm quitting sport and that's it um so it's the two parts of your head. I kind of like to think of it as two separate people. So I think that that part of my mind sometimes plays tricks on me and, and in anything. And it's kind of like confidence versus no confidence. Um, so the NLP is really, I suppose I've learned a lot about the way you can kind of channel your subconscious mind and the way you can help it think and the way you can manage that to, I suppose, stop it voices but not even stop it but control them and when you do that it's ex extremely powerful tool to use in, in every aspect of your life yeah it, it definitely seems a powerful tool and again it seems relative to culture as you mentioned in terms of uh, I suppose little habits and little uh, narratives could curtail a, a bigger overarching structure um, so it seems like something definitely uh, coaches should look into and, and delve more into so in terms of 
mindset and mindset coaching. Um, so you're designing your website. How is this going to look? What way is it going to be approachable for people? I know you have a couple of clients already. Um, so if you just want to talk a bit about that. Yeah, so obviously when I have the website up and running, it would be like you can um, contact me through that and through my email and stuff. But at the moment, it's just like through Instagram. You know, any of my clients that I've got so far have just been messaging me on Instagram and then we schedule like an introductory call and that's just, um, you know, 20 minute chat to see if I'm the right person for them and they're the right person for me. And, you know, I want to get outcomes and I, I want to make sure that whoever I'm working with, that it works for both of us and that we can work as a team in order to get the results that they want. But I want to make sure that, like I said, I'm the right person for them. So that's why we have the 20 minute introductory call and it's just kind of getting to know each other. And then after that, um, you know, you start session one a few days later or whenever, whenever it works for them. So, um, yeah, firstly, just, I suppose, message on Instagram or through email or whatever, but, the way I've been working it so websites up and go, up and running I can um you know you can contact me through that brilliant and and just uh looking at 20 there you've just mentioned 20 you've mentioned the obviously there, there's a strong link with yourself in terms of the 20 by 20 campaign um can you just speak a bit about that obviously um the global pandemic has curtailed ever so slightly the campaign but it is a massive campaign for female athletes in Ireland. Can and I suppose for everybody to raise awareness of female athletes. So can you just speak about that a small bit, Sarah? Yeah, it's been an unbelievable campaign, and I can't speak highly enough about what they've done for women in sports. And Liv came on board, obviously, with his football a few years ago, and they just did so much game, but. But 20 and Little Together and all them kind of companies getting together to, I suppose, raise this initiative as a group has been unbelievable because it hasn't just promoted, I suppose, ladies' football. It's promoted every lady in sport. And even from myself, like, my knowledge of women in sport is far greater than it ever was. Like, I, there's, you know, cyclers, swimmers, runners, like, people that you just would have never heard of or they would have never had a platform to be promoted. I think it's, it's unbelievable see and um you know I suppose younger girls now can see a pathway and see where they want to go next so I think they're fairly on track with their 20 um the 2020 campaign so it'll probably be 2021 campaign now at this stage but um it's been yeah it's been brilliant good and, and with with the female participation there's there's a, a trend moving I know in uh, with the FAI in Ireland in terms of increasing female coaches in the game um, have you come across in, in, in your time in, in at Leeds Sport have you come across many female coaches or are you seeing hopefully more female coaches delve into the elite sport no actually very little female coaches um, I had one in DCU um, she was brilliant um, had a really good way with the girls and we won the O'Connor Cup that year, but um, overall, no, I, I haven't been exposed to too many um, female coaches. So I think, yeah, brilliant going forward, and it's great to see FAI and you know the senior women's team having a women's coach, and that's probably the the first place I ever saw it actually was Sue Ronan um over the ladies team. So 
Um, other than that, I think that going forward, there probably will be a lot more. And I think ex-players and stuff will also get involved as well. So hopefully we'll see a bit more of that and knocking around the place. Brilliant. Um, so we've two, two questions, um, two last final questions, I suppose. Um, with, do you ever see yourself as you, so you're obviously involved in team sports and you're a mindset coach for individuals. Would you ever see yourself as a team coach? Mm, I wouldn't like, I think going forward, I'd like to talk to teams and do things like, and schools and all that with mindset. And I suppose growing up as a young girl and all them kind of things and all the obstacles that come in our way that we face. I'd like to be involved in the cultural leadership and um, mindset wise. I'd like to be involved in that definitely, but I don't actually see myself having the physical patience for the coaching side of things. It takes a certain type of person and, you know, I've come across brilliant ones throughout my career and I just, I don't think it's my thing. If you get me, like I love playing sport, but I'm way more into, like I said, the mind behind the athlete, and that's that's the side that I really want to go into. And just with the in terms of the mind behind the athlete, um, non-negotiables are is often a term banded around. Um, could you give us an example of some of the non-negotiables, the best non-negotiables you may have had uh, over your career thus far? So explain to me when you say non-negotiables. I've heard that term being thrown around a bit, but I'm kind of unfamiliar. So my reading of non-negotiables is something that, so again, the culture is usually set out or in modern terms, the culture is set out and uh, the standards driven by the players and what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. So what's not acceptable in terms of, I've heard managers say you can't wear uh pop socks to training you cannot wear you have to wear full football socks to training yeah believe. so i just i just it's just it's a off the cuff question in terms of anthony mad that you've ever had where you know you can't bring x to training or you can't do y or okay um ours would probably be like you know no egos no arrogance and um don't be late so like they'd be three things that we'd like you know don't no matter how good of a player you are you're never bigger or better than the team and to know that we all need each other and we all need to make sure that everyone's happy in the group in order to achieve anything so and um, that's the biggest thing for me as well and that really stands out in a team environment if you do have that it can be absolutely toxic for a team environment so uh, you want to be able to know know your players and know that some people need an arm put around them and other people need a hard word but to know your players and know how they tick so that's the biggest thing for me. Brilliant. And I'm going to sneak one final one. I apologize. Um, no problem. Any recommendations you may have? So obviously you're well-versed in mindset and obviously mindset education, culture and leadership and elite sports. Any recommendations you may have of reading or of films or TV or anything that you would advise coaches um, to look into? Um, so one I'm listening to at the moment uh, on audiobooks at the minute is High Performance Habits um, so that's a good one and then what's that other book that I listened to before that something to do with habits again um, have you heard of it what's it called Atomic Habits possibly yes yes I think they're two really good books and um, other than that I suppose the James Smith 
not a diet book is a good one as well and they're probably my top three at the moment um but a few more i suppose down the line i'll read a few more but it's i have no patience with sitting down and reading a book so i'm very i like listening to audio books i think that's nice you're kind of on the move and you're learning at the same time or you're in the gym and you're listening to a book brilliant yeah yeah brilliant it also stops them uh voices as you mentioned in nlp it stops your voice yeah. getting in touch um well, listen, Sarah, thanks a million. Thanks a million for your time today um, your honesty and your openness in, in discussing uh, everything mindset, life coaching. Um, wish you all the best with the website. Um, when it gets launched, again, we, we'll obviously do our best to try and try and promote it as well and help promote it. Um, but thanks very much for coming on. It, it was a pleasure. Thanks a million for having me. It was a pleasure to be asked. Brilliant. You're listening to the Coach Ella podcast with your host, Phil Trill.